Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Coming up on today's podcast. Encourage others, and that's, gosh, so important in these difficult times. Because people are discouraged. We know that. It's been a really difficult stretch. People are are giving in to all kinds of doubts and even despair. And we got to pray that, you know, the Spirit will keep them strong. Hello, friends. We're so glad to have you back again for another episode of the Spirit-Filled Media Podcast with host Deacon Steve Greco. You know, Deacon loves to pull up to the microphone and spend time in the studio with good friends. And every now and then, a certain friend joins him in the studio who blesses us with his presence more than most any other. Father Augustine Puckner fits that description. And as Deacon Steve makes introductions, you'll soon sense the strong bond that these two share. We've titled today's program, Faith in Today's World, Part 1. Here's Deacon Steve to get us started. I am so, so, one more so, so excited (laughs) because I have the pastor, Father Augustine Pugner, a very good friend, a Norbertine, the pastor of St. John the Baptist Parish in Costa Mesa. Welcome back to the show, Father. Thank you, Steve. Great to be back. Always good to be with you. And uh, thank you for that excitement. We are, yes, so, 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 so excited (laughs) to be here together and uh, to talk about faith and the Holy Spirit and all the beautiful ways in which God is keeping us strong. And faith in today's world is just so important. My brothers and sisters, it's so important to understand what is faith. And we see this in 11th chapter of Hebrews, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, yet not realized. It is so important that we realize that faith is a gift and that God wants to give us faith, but we must ask for it and we must seek it and we must want it. Your thoughts about faith and and how do we get more faith, Father? Amen. Well, faith is a gift from God, first and foremost. It's so far beyond just, you know, human intellectual power, although it's compatible, obviously, and it it really perfects our human intellectual power, but it's so far beyond. It's so other than just, you know, studying and memorizing facts and knowing, like, the truths of the world through human reason with certainty. It's a whole other level of knowledge. And God gives us that gift of faith so that we can know the great mysteries of God and know them to be certain and true. I think that's such a big part of, you know, the struggle that we're having in today's world. And it's kind of always been that way, but especially now. Our faith is being put to the test. No doubt. Let's just start with that. And we need to be strong and we need to know how it is. You ask, how do we grow in our faith? Well, you practice your faith, you make acts of faith, and you pray for that gift. Amen. Lord, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. And that's one of the most powerful prayers that there is. Help my unbelief. I mean, help me love as you love, Father, Lord Jesus Christ. Help me to love. Help me to have greater faith. Help me to have greater hope. And so many times right now in the midst of these trials, people are feeling just broken. They're feeling numb. 
and they don't feel like that there's hope in the future and that good things are happening. But those are lies from the enemy. And we have this constant spiritual battle in which the enemy wants to, to just put us down. Amen. And we've got to ask for more faith and ask for more of the Lord in our lives. Amen. You know, and God has provided us through revelation, through the word of God, through the tradition and teachings of the church. God has provided us with all the many answers that we need for life's most difficult problems. Now, you know, there are still things that we struggle with. There are still things that are discussed and, you know, theological reflection over the 2000 years has opened up that word of God and revelation in a more complete and full way. And every age with its own challenges and difficulties and moral questions applies that word of God to those particular modern day situations, you could say. But the faith delivered once for all to the apostles, to the saints, to the early church through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that is the faith that we rely on. That's the faith that gives us confidence that, you know, when we struggle and when we see around us, especially in our times right now, so many different voices, so many different opinions, so many different reports, so many different news, you know, channels. It's so confusing. It's so confusing. And that's where faith allows us the ability with God's grace to kind of just, you know, cut through all that, all the different, you know, voices and opinions and ideas and all the things. And we just keep clear notice and awareness of the teachings of Jesus because they have just been and will continue to be until he comes again. They are the inspiration. They are the source of, of our peace in our security with how we live our lives, the decisions we make. And my brothers and sisters, again, read the 11th chapter of Hebrews and 11.6 says it's impossible to please God without faith and he will reward those who believe in him to believe he exists. How do we get more faith? We ask for it. We seek it. And this is, again, Matthew 5, 6, one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, which is doing God's will. And then they will be satisfied. Then they will be filled. This moment in, t- in our history, uh, I'm a little bit older than you, but mm-hmm. let's just say within our lifetimes, at least from my perspective, this is the greatest challenge that I think I've ever experienced mm-hmm. and a challenge in which we need more faith than ever. Amen. And, you know, one of the great supports that we have, and especially now that, like, sort of we've reopened the churches, praise God, thank you, praise Jesus, Jesus. Thank uh, you, Jesus, is that we see that, you know, for an individual's faith to be strong and certain and sure and active, you know, faith working through love, you need the support of a community. You know, none of us can do it alone. And we were isolated for those three months, oh. you know, and it was so difficult because I know, and I spoke in my ministry to a number of people that were, you know, homebound. They, you know, they missed coming to church. They missed receiving Jesus in Holy communion. They missed the community because their faith seemed to be weakening without the support of a community of believers. You know, it starts in, in, you know, at home, the family is a community of believers, but, and that was great because, you know, one of the blessings of the situation was that families were, you know, spending some more time together. I met my wife, you know, 49 years this year. Oh, I love that. (laughs) But, you know, for the first time, I think I spent more time with her than the last five years, I think, put together. Well, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, Yeah. it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, but for the wider community, for a parish and of course, for the the universal church in general, it was uh, a real 
real trial of faith because we did not have that constant support. Communal worship, receiving the sacraments regularly, and just the presence of like-minded believers. Those who, you know, you rely on like every Sunday and some every day and they go to the church or they're in a ministry group or they're in a Bible study or whatever it may be. There's that constant support that we have in a community of faith of people who share our beliefs, who allow those beliefs to guide their lives. It's the same for us. And we suffered a lot without that. And now I'm praying, obviously, that, you know, we can, you know, maintain that, keep that strong. And uh, since, you know, people have been coming back to church, a number of people have remarked to me, Father, that it's like now their faith is stronger. You know, they've made it through the trial. They've made it through the darkness. And and they are even more appreciative of what the church offers them, the word of God, the grace of the sacraments, and a community of believers. It's just so, it was so wonderful that first Sunday, like when people were back together, just just to see each other and to say hello and how are you doing, and especially to pray, to pray to God together. Uh, That's one of the most important ways in which we strengthen our own individual faith. It's part of that community. As you take a look at Acts 2, the communal life, Mm. verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and the communal life, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. Mm. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together, temple area, breaking bread in their homes. They ate their meals with exaltation, sincerity of heart, praising God and drawing favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. Mm -hmm. I believe more than ever, God is calling us to a new level of holiness. Mm -hmm. It cannot continue to be my brothers and sisters status quo because we are not in a status quo world. We are under siege right now. We're under siege with so many different things. I don't even have to list them. You know what they are. Mm -hmm. You're experiencing them every single day. But God is saying where there is great challenge, great evil, great trials, there is great grace. And we have to say, I want that grace, unmerited favor. I want to be holier, but I want to strive for it. Your thoughts on that? Absolutely. You know, and it's been that way since the beginning of the church. This is why, you know, know, as you say, read the Acts of the Apostles. Exactly. It's all right there. And you think about, you know, the the strength of faith required by that first generation of Christians. Oh, no question. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, they faced open persecution all the time, martyrdom, all of that. I mean, they were, you know, basically like the underground church, right? And they still found in the inspiration that Jesus and God's word provided for them a tremendous strength. But they did have to stay together. They did have to, you know, bond together in that life of faith, hope and love as well. But we need that now. And I totally agree when you say, you know, it can't be status quo. I mean, you know, every generation of Catholics, you know, hopefully responds to that call to say, you know, you need to be holy and you need to build the kingdom of God here on earth and you need to support and and contribute to the mission of the church using your gifts and talents. When we really believe the responsibility and the privilege that that is, then, you know, we're all going to be inspired to do more than usual, right? Status quo is, is, is not, it's not enough. It never was. It wasn't enough to sustain the early church. They had to constantly be striving, as you say, greater holiness, greater fidelity to God, a greater uh, missionary spirit, evangelize, spread the good word, give a good example, encourage others. And that's, gosh, so important in these difficult times. So important that we find in our faith and in the community of faith, the encouragement, because people are discouraged. We know that it's been a really difficult stretch. People are are giving into all kinds of doubts and even despair. And we got to pray that, you know, the spirit will keep them strong. 
My brothers and sisters, this may be the time for you to step out to begin that ministry. This may be the time for you to write that book, to, to do something that God has been whispering in your ear, but for whatever reason, I've been too busy, I can't do it. Maybe now is the time for you to say yes, because that is what is required right now, is that yes, that, you know, I, I love, for example, the third chapter of Revelation, the church of the light of sea, I wish you were either cold or hot, but because you're neither hot or cold, I spit you out of my mouth. So the point is, is that we've got to make a stand and say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you no matter what the cost. And now is a great time for that unconditional yes. Mm -hmm. It's like the Lord is asking us in our day, like he asked several people throughout the Gospels, and especially like when he was uh, offered the opportunity to do like a miracle of healing. Do you believe I can do this? Amen. Do you believe I can do this? And I've been thinking about that, you know, and just praying about that, especially in regard to, you know, preparing for our conversation today about faith. And that is the critical question. And uh, now we face it in terms of, you know, global pandemic and all of its consequences and all of the various, you know, ways in which, yeah, we can be uh, given to a certain, you know, discouragement and confusion. But Jesus, through all of that, he has never stopped asking us that question. But do you believe I can do this? Do you believe I can bring you healing and strength? Do you believe that I can still guide the church and your family and your community through these difficult times to a place of peace and holiness and, and joy? And we have to absolutely, you know, believe in the answer to that question and perhaps just, you know, make that act of faith every day. Yes, Lord, I do. I believe. I believe in you. I believe in your word. I believe in your grace. I believe in the power that you still exercise in this world, even with all its darkness and sin and, and all the difficulties that we face and certainly will continue to face. As you say, you know, we're, we're in a spiritual warfare. We've talked about that before. It's a spiritual battle for sure. And yet, you know, God still asks us to humbly respond to that question. Do you believe I can do this? And of course, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I do want to get into your story before we go back to talking about uh, how big is our God and so forth, because you grew up in Wisconsin, I believe. I did. I, yeah. yeah. Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Cheesehead. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. All of it. Yeah. And early on, uh, you were cradle Catholic, correct? I was. Yeah. Cradle Catholic, but not necessarily thinking about becoming a priest when you were younger. It came and went. Kind of you came know, and went. Yeah. yeah. You was, were not wild, but there was a, a little, little bit. Yeah. There was a time there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a there was time. a time. A guitar yeah. and everything. Yeah. All that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, college years. Long hair. You know, I did. Long yeah. hair. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I won't show you the pictures. Yeah. But although some have seen them. You know, some people believe, my brothers and sisters, that, well, God can't be calling me, you know, because look at what I've done and so forth. And, you know, uh, this show, Empowered by the Spirit, is all about supporting vocations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want to talk about that for a second, the calling, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, some people think, oh, I'm not worthy. I remember I, th I thought I wasn't worthy and still think I'm not worthy, you know, mm -hmm. but to be a deacon and so forth. And, and yet... God is saying, all I want is for you to say yes to me. But your thoughts about that, mm -hmm. the yeah. calling. Absolutely. It's one of the most beautiful mysteries in any person's life, you know, for whatever the calling may be. Vocation of the priesthood and religious life obviously is, is a special mystery, gift and mystery, right? St. John Paul II, that's how he described his own reflection on his vocation, a gift and a mystery. None of us are worthy. And, you know, we just ordained four new priests for the Hallelujah. Abbey community. Yeah. So four new Norbertine priests. <laughs> oh, it's so exciting. Uh, June 27th, they were ordained. And, of course, 
every time I attend an ordination, you're reminded of your own. It's yes. like you relive it again. Yes. It's a really beautiful moment spiritually yes. for every priest. And there is, uh, you know, before the ordination ceremony, there's, there's the interrogation, right? Where the bishop asks, you know, do you find them worthy? And uh, in our case, the abbot or whoever is a responsible superior says, you know, after inquiring among the people of God and those responsible for their formation, we declare them to be worthy. And everyone goes, thanks be to God. And, but are they really, I mean, as a human person, well, yes and no, right? Obviously, uh, we're all sinners, but that's the beauty of it. God calls sinners to become great saints. Look at Peter. Look Absolutely. at Paul. Oh, the look examples, at on the long, on, right? long list. Long on list. and on and on, on yeah, and on. Yeah. So uh, the worthiness comes from the uh, openness and the, you know, the decision to say yes to God. The surrender. Absolutely. And, you know, that's so important in other relationships in life. You know, when you really surrender to being a faithful and, and loving spouse, you're all in. You're all in. You've, you've made that decision. It just, you know, in any kind of, even in friendship, right? You just say, I'm going to go, uh, you know, completely into this relationship. I'm going to give myself and, uh, that yes to a relationship. And especially now a yes to a vocation to God brings such tremendous peace and blessings. And for so many people, they think that it all has to be instantaneous. But if you feel that nudge, start to walk forward. Because I know for me, it was like, I really wasn't sure I wanted to be a deacon. And early on, I even was called in the office, uh, uh, Deacon Frank Chavez, God bless him. He's yes. what a wonderful man. Uh, I didn't fill out the application with a great deal of, of forethought. Oh. He called me in and he asked me, he said, well, tell me about that. And I said, well, I'm, I'm just not sure. But every single day I'm getting more sure. Every single day I feel that tug. Mm-hmm. And that's a big message for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's not like... Some, for some people, a switch goes off, but for a lot of people, it's mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more gradual. You mm-hmm. thought about that. Yeah. Well, I worked in vocation ministry right. for 12 years as a <laughs> novice master at the Abbey, and I, I did uh, assistant for our vocation recruiting. And yeah, the mystery of everyone's religious vocation still comes down to that, that yes to God. And no matter what your background is, no matter what your past history is, whatever, you know, obviously God and his mercy heals all those things, forgives our sins. And, you know, when you know, when you, when you feel uh, in your heart that God has placed you on this, on this very particular and beautiful path. Yeah. The question for me in my own journey was, well, I have to try. I wasn't absolutely certain exactly when That's I started, when I started to discern right. and when I started, you know, making come at sea visits to various communities right. and talking to, to good priests who advised me, I wasn't sure, but I knew I had to take that first step. Exactly. And the first step is sometimes the hardest, Exactly. but the first step as with many things on our spiritual journey is, uh, the first door being open and then you see a path before you that you continue down, right? There are other, you know, decisions and other moments of discernment uh, and other times as you go down that road that you are continually saying yes to God in a new way. My brothers and sisters, one of the prayers that God has put in my heart over the years is Lord Jesus, Father, Heavenly Father, open the door that only you can open Mm. and close the door that only you can close. Beautiful prayer. Right? Very important. And and so just pray that prayer, my brothers and sisters. Some of you right now are really being nudged to go into some sort of religious life, some sort of vocation, or even as a lay person to become more involved in a certain ministry. Just say yes to the Lord to open the door that only he can open or close the door that only he can close. So you 
got that nudge, you went ahead and you looked at, at various orders, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, and, and why did you choose the Norbertines? We love the Norbertines. Hey, Spirit Full right. Hearts loves yeah. the Norbertines. Empowered by the Spirit, we love the Norbertines. <laughs> we can't you, say it enough. Uh, some of you, uh, this, stage, this, this show hits a lot of different places, and some of you may not be familiar with the Norbertines. So tell us about it. St. Michael's Abbey, Silverado, California. Yes, my spiritual home for 30 years. Amazing. Well, I, I did visit several communities, uh, in fact, throughout the U.S., East Coast, Midwest, uh, and here in California. And uh, for me, it was the, the life, the lifestyle that the Norbertines lived in all of its elements, its beautiful liturgy, its traditional elements of religious life, its you know, commitment to the teachings of the church. And especially when I made my visit, it was the people. It was the men. It was the men I met. and uh, So much love. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. And at that point, uh, my, this was early 1990, 1990, I made my come and see visit. And the uh, Abbey was experiencing its first real growth spurt. Mm. And we had like 30 seminarians. Wow. Yeah. Which was twice as many as ordained priests at that time. Mm. You know, so, and the men I met and their joy and their fidelity to the church and their community and the, the, the love that they experienced and shared each and every day, it was just remarkable. There were so many things about the community itself that I felt very, very comfortable and called there. And I remember like after my first full day, I was pretty much convinced. So what is the charisms of the Norbertine order? Well, uh, it's, you know, that, that word charism is kind of a modern term okay. uh, that, that, you know, it didn't exist in St. Norbert's time, <laughs> right? So, like, nobody asked. Or focus or, right, or, exactly. or emphasis. No, you know, um, but our life is, uh, is patterned on what we call the apostolic life. That is a community of, of priests living in community and very much living a monastic life. In terms of our, you know, daily schedule, the amount of prayer that we do in common in the Abbey Church, uh, we have our meals together, we recreate together, we do a lot of things together. It's like, so we, we kind of live like monks, right? And right. some people just see our habit and they say, are you a monk? And I say, well, technically no, but I certainly live like one. And St. Norbert's vision, as he understood the apostolic life, and one of his inspirations was St. Augustine, who tried to, uh, mm. and in fact, effectively brought this way of life to his own uh, diocese, is that he wanted his priest to live together in community and then go out and do their ministry. Now, in St. Norbert's time, that was a revolution. I mean, really, you had you had the monastic communities, the Benedictines and, and the others. And, you know, they didn't go out that much. The people came to them exactly. for their spiritual enrichment. Exactly. And St. Norbert had this vision that he wanted a community of men who would live like monks, but go out and exercise ministry kind of like, you know, parish priests. Right. And that's common now. A lot, most modern congregations have that sort of, you know, uh, mentality and lifestyle. But it was, you know, St. Norbert was really the first to take that step. And, uh, and you know, the, the pillars of our spirituality, our love for the Eucharist and the Mass, our love for the Sacred Liturgy, our love for Our Lady, our love for our common life, a spirit of penance and asceticism, those things are all, they're like built into our life. And, you know, when I visited the Abbey, they had like a, a one page. This was, of course, before the Internet and anything like that. So they had a flyer, right? Like a little brochure. Sure. Uh, there's a place for you at St. Michael's if dot, dot, dot. And then they had like 12, like essential truths of St. Michael's Abbey. And like everyone, I was like, yes, 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 yes. And but the thing that really uh, God drew me to the uh, Abbey was that it was more than just words on paper. I mean, I got a lot of brochures when I was discerning. Because, like, you know, you could 
send out information. But my time at the Abbey very much convinced me that these men lived the ideal that they put down on paper. There was, there was total integrity. There was total authenticity. It, it didn't just sound good on their brochure. These men lived the life. And one of the things that you said is one of my favorite sayings, and that's all in. My experience with, with Norbertine priests and, and uh, sisters also, right, yes. mm-hmm. is that they're all in. I'm not saying others are not, but right. the Norbertine order is all in. And some of you may be feeling that tug right now to find out more about them. And how would they find out more about they them? They can contact Father Ambrose at the Abbey or Father Vienni. The two priests, and uh, if you you call the Abbey, contact the Abbey. You Do you can, know the website or the uh, So, uh, let's see, uh, stmichaelsabbey.com, I think. Yeah, dot think com so. or dot, dot org. com or dot org. Okay. Yeah, so, and there, there'll be, uh, you know, a section for vocation inquiries. Right. And then that will direct your email uh, to Father Ambrose or Father Vienni. Yeah, the best thing, obviously, is continuing to pray obviously, for all of you who are discerning, and to continue to trust. I mean, really, if you feel God is calling you, give it a try. Give God a chance. Amen. Because, you know, the answer may be no. In my time as novice master at the Abbey, we had, of course, a number of guys that came and discerned and left, and they're either happily married or some have become priests in other uh, situations. Fine, but they discerned. And it's a journey, and that was part of their journey. Absolutely, yeah. That was part of their journey. Now, the Norbertine priests look different than diocesan priests in terms of, tell us about that. So our religious habit uh, (laughs) goes back to the original inspiration founding of our order. Uh, The beautiful tradition is that St. Norbert, when he was founding the order, which by the way, he never like intended to do. He didn't like, he was just, you know, a holy priest who wanted, he was living a, a sort of radically sort of ascetic life, wandering around preaching through most of Northern Europe. And then it was finally a very holy and good bishop who noticed a special gift in him and said, you know what? You should settle down and maybe gather a community around you. Wow. So, and Norbert spent uh, the night in prayer at a little chapel, of course, in the Valley of Premontre, which is where we get our name, which is where we were founded. And he received a vision of Our Lady giving him the white habit. So that's sort of where, you know, the, the color white. And it was, you know, undyed wool. It was, it was, it was kind of a, you know, in, in those days, it was a very, very simple penitential garment. Interesting. And there's a new... A facility, new, new, oh, right? Steve, Monastery. Unbelievable. Tell us about it. Well, it's uh, under construction and it's coming along very, very well. And uh, it's going to be beautiful. You know, Romanesque monastery, beautiful church. Uh, and it will include the church and then, of course, the cloister, the residence area for all the priests and seminarians. It'll have like a public wing, which will have, uh, you know, uh, rooms for conferences and retreats and some guest rooms, a new convent for the, the Dominican sisters who live and work with us at the Abbey. The, the complex is just really a beautiful, stunning. I can't wait to be it's there. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I cannot wait to see this new monastery being constructed right now. And as of this recording, it's getting closer and closer to completion. I've seen pictures, but I'm sure they don't do it justice. Well, that's a wrap for part one of Deacon Steve Greco's dynamic discussion with Father Augustine Puckner of the Norbertines. And be sure to click on and hear part two of this conversation on faith in today's world. Friends, if this message has impacted your heart, then by all means, please do share so that others may benefit also. 
For more information on this ministry, click on our website, spiritfilledhearts.org. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. We'll see you again next time with Deacon Steve and the team. This podcast is a ministry of Spirit-Filled Media. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.